Welcome back into the great Scott show ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, my friend, friend of the program, Saints historian, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, back from a trip overseas in Paris and a guy that I was more angry and upset this week than I can really remember. He usually kind of Keeps it chill with jokes. He was fired up on the the big show this week from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. I'm talking about Ralph Malbro, who joins me now on this Wednesday morning. Good morning, Ralph. I, I'd ask how you're feeling, but apparently you're just ticked off. Yeah, I, I'm telling. I was. I'm ticked off. You know, the reason is I. I think Scott. I figured it out. Is that it's it's we're in a battle of like good and evil which of Saints fans and it's it's the Saints fans and Saints Twitter versus the nerds. The nerds, the analytics people in football and the draft nerds, they it's almost like politics, Scott, where like you know, like if if a, if you meet a person and they're a hardcore Democrat or they're a hardcore Republican, they'll never admit that the other side does anything successful. And the draft nerds and the analytics nerds, they hate how the Saints run their team. Like, they hate the fact that Mickey Loomis trades up. They hate the fact that the Saints can bend the cap to their will and that they've had five straight winning seasons. And they want the Saints to lose so they can sit, tell us they told us so. And if the Saints win doing this with a six, with, for a six-straight year with trading up in the draft for a while, they, like it shatters their worldview, so they're committed to it, and I'm just yelling at them on Twitter. Like I'm, t- I'm tired of them telling us that the Saints don't know what they're doing when the Saints have 58 wins in, in in five years. Like, don't tell me that the Saints don't know what they're doing. It so it does fire me up, and it's just hysterical because they hate the, the their hatred of the Saints is just is just hilarious, and the. The the point of my podcast, the two guys that were that were ripping on me, Bill Barnwell and Charles McDonald. I'm not going to be lectured to by gi- a Giant fan and a Falcon fan about roster construction because Scott, let me tell you this: Do you know how many wins combined the Giants and Atlanta have the last five years? I do, only because you informed me. It's 57. The Saints. On the other hand, have 58 wins since 2017. I'm just like listening to these two guys, and I'm just like, I'm not going to be lectured by you and your analytics and your draft charts and your roster construction when you your teams have less wins combined than the Saints. And the thing is with the Saints, I really believe this guy that the Saints 
didn't really do anything that aggressive this offseason. And I know people are probably listening to this show right now, and they're screaming, what about the trade-up with Philadelphia where everybody said the Saints got fleeced and they gave up a 2023 first? The Saints are getting a 2023 first-round draft pick from somebody, All right. Sean Payton. All right. so, so, <laughs> so I think Mickey Loomis took a calculated risk of saying, I'm going to get that first-round pick back. I'm just spending future income now, and I'm trying to make the 2022 team better. Because if the, if the Miami Dolphins were willing to give Sean Payton $100 million, some team is going to give the Saints a first-round pick next year. I don't know if it's going to be the Cowboys or the Chargers or the Jets or some surprise team, but the Saints are getting picks for Sean Payton, and they'll be drafted in the first round. I just put my flag in the ground. You can replay this tape next spring if I'm wrong. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Okay, Ralph Malrose fired up this morning. at Saints forecast on Twitter, and – I had like four things down here, or four, four or five topics, and Ralph's burning through the first two in like five minutes. So <laughs> let me let me try. Let's take let's take one at a time here. I want to rewind for a minute. Uh, for those that that were hearing Ralph, he's pointing out that the Giants and Falcons collectively have won fifty seven games the last five years. The Saints have won fifty eight, and he's referencing a podcast. Now I don't know one of these cats. What's his name? Charles what? Charles McDonald. He's, okay, he Charles McDonald. Be, he, he's a really he's a really good football writer. I actually like his his writing and his podcast. He used to he used to work I think in the New York area. He used to cover the Jets. He's a Falcons fan. Well, he was ripping um, you. Was, I don't know if you like him anymore. Now I had heard of Bill Barnwell, but I don't know that I actually have. I just heard of the name. Um, you know, heard of the name because he's written about ten. The Saints are in Capel articles. Okay, that's right. That's got to be what it is. I see it on my my timeline every year. Now, I want I want to I want to say this before we play this clip of these guys ripping into you, and I, I certainly want to let you respond the way you did. Uh, you can respond however you want. I, I've heard how you responded on your podcast, which, by the way, guys, most of you listening already do subscribe and listen. But Saints Happy Hour podcast, check it out. Um, years ago, Ralph, and it was this was. This was a way. This was a way back. I mean, I would say probably around 2015, maybe 2016 ish, maybe even 2014. I was critical of how the Saints were using the salary cap, and I was critical of it because I was thinking this is going to bite you in the butt. Now, I will admit that I was wrong. Right now, the Saints mm-hmm. happen to nail a draft, and at some point, but like there was a while there where I'm like, at some point, you have to pay the piper, and then they kind of did, but it had to do with a pandemic. And the Saints just keep rolling up the credit card, but they're like, you know what, we're going to have a lot more credit in future years, a la aka the, the, the cap's going to be a lot larger because of TV money, right? But I was willing to be like, you know what, I was, I was looking at this, but looking at how the Saints have utilized it and using the void years and how they're doing it. It's working out okay for them. Like, God forbid, they're trying to do things to win right now. Um, some people are not willing to admit that, right? And and I guess that's wherein lies your issue. You're like, man, some of you guys keep moving the goalposts. So I don't want to act like I've always been. I, I, I'm still not one of the the cap is a myth guys because it's not. There's it it it's a real thing, but some teams are willing to use whatever means necessary to get in front of it 
and utilize any kind of weakness in the cap that they can't. Saints have done it. Rams have done it as of late. You see some of their contracts, void years. Let's get more guaranteed money. Let's get void years. Let's try to win right now. I don't like the Rams, but I'll give them credit for doing it. They went all in. It worked. They continue to go all in. They're hoping it continues to work. So now that I've pointed out that I, in fact, used to be a guy that was critical of the Saints and at some point was like, you know what, there's enough evidence here for me to just say I was wrong and they know what they're doing. Um, A lot of people aren't willing to do that, Ralph. So I'm going to shut up now. For everyone listening, here is a clip from uh, Charles McDonald's podcast with, with Bill Barnwell where they lay into my friend, Ralph Malbro, I thought it was especially cruel that they're making fun of your name. What was up with that? Anyway, <laughs> let, let, let's let the listeners hear it. Then I'll let you respond. Here it is. Let's move on to the horrible team in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I just want to get this started off with a question from Ralph Malboro. <laughs> just, just the way he said Ralph. So, Ralph. So, so kind of said. Ralph the Saints fan. Ugh. At Saints forecast. When, <laughs> not if, if, if is out the question. All right. Wow. Ralph okay. has a crystal ball that he's holding out on the rest of us, apparently. Doesn't want to share. And sure. apparently, this crystal ball is only related to New Orleans Saints uh, okay. predictions. So Ralph says, Ralph, when the Saints win 10-plus games, okay. will Bill then have the decency to shut the f*** up okay. about how Mickey Loomis runs a team after six straight winning seasons? Ralph, your diaper. I can smell it from here, my guy. I can smell it from here. I'm like a 10, 12-hour drive away from you. I can smell your dirty-ass diaper from here. First of all, that's not very nice. But secondly, Ralph, I... I don't know if you're still as 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 taken back by it as you were, but you said you said you were like flying to Paris when you heard that. Uh, one, what? what 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 went through your head when you first heard it, and two, the floor is yours on my show to respond once again. The first thing that went through my head that was a, that I'm annoyed with is they're like the entire you have a crystal ball and you. Uh, you, how do you know what's going to happen with the, the Saints only? Well, my guy, it's like me saying, I think Amazon stock price is going to go up. I have a decade of evidence that says it. With the Saints, I have freaking five years of evidence that they really, really know what they're doing. And the other thing that infuriated me, probably the second most, was they did, went through the cap, and, you know, oh, they lost Jack Levin. Oh, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, they lost this. And, you know, acting like the cap is starting to kill them. When, in fact, the only reason the cap really crushed the Saints was because of a worldwide pandemic. And that's the thing that, that thing that, of all of it, that's the thing that I'm the most. Is these cap nerds, they want to pretend like this cap is crushing you and there, there isn't this obvious thing where teams operate in the cap differently and i know this is weird to say scott and i didn't really i was kind of like you in 2015 2016. I, I didn't really understand the cap but the thing i didn't understand is the saints even though they're a small market team technically they act like a rich team and there are certain teams in the nfl where they call it cash over cap where you just you just turn 
salaries into bonus and you just cut checks, right? And you can operate your cap like that. And you think of it as like these big, rich NFL teams that do it, but the Saints are one of those teams because Gail Benson, she doesn't have any heirs. Like she said, like when I die, like all my money, it's going to go to charity. So she's not really concerned about building an empire. She's just concerned about probably not losing any money. But she, they spend like a giant big market team would, and that allows them to do things other teams don't. And the cap nerds, the only one that's figured it out is Robert Mays, where he's like, the Saints just operate in a different way, and they're cool doing this. And he's like, as long as you're cool cutting the checks, you're never really going to have to pay the piper. And that's the thing that annoyed me the most about them. Not my, them making fun of my name. Ralph is like the most old-time name in the world. Dave and Andrew insult me better on the podcast than they do. That's no big deal. The other thing is just the Saints. Mickey Loomis has run the Saints this way. And I'm just tired of all these people telling me the Saints are – incompetent and they need to rebuild and and this guy why is a rebuild what's what's so inherently good about it like the jets are, are in the 10 almost in a decade rebuild atlanta's torn it down to the studs what does it guarantee them like if if atlanta goes five and twelve five and twelve seven and ten and the saints go eight and nine eight and nine seven and ten in three years they're both going to be looking for new coaches like i just I like the fact that my team, the Saints, is like, you know what? We're not rebuilding. We think the NFC is terrible. We're trying to win. And of all the things they said in that podcast, the thing that infuriated me the most was they were like, if everything goes right and the Saints go 10-7 and and they win a wild card, that's if everything goes right. Is that really worth it? And I was screaming. I was like, yes. You know why it's worth it? Because it's fun for my team to win football games and go to the playoffs. And that's, and, and Scott, I'm going to predict you, that's what's going to happen with the Saints. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team this year, but I think they're going to win 10, 11 games. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Saints are going to win 10 games. They're going to win a playoff game. And then all the nerds and all the analytics people is, are going to say, you know, was it really worth it to do all those cap gymnastics and go 10-7 and seven and beat the Cowboys in the playoffs and give up the 25th pick? Was it really worth it instead of being building for the long term? And you know what? It is because winning is more fun than what the Jaguars and the Falcons do. It's more fun to win football games, nerds. Sorry. When you've I'm only getting, won 10 playoff games, up. when you've only won 10 playoff games in franchise history, and only one road playoff game in franchise history, um, you you enjoy and take every playoff win you can have because that's the Saints. And as you and I know, they didn't win, you know, their first playoff game until two thousand. Uh, and the other nine, they've won in 06, and they all happened in the Breeze era. Yeah, you have a season where you get into the playoffs and you win a game, bro. Enjoy it, savor it. Like to your point about rebuild, there is. A, a fascination from a lot of individuals and in analytics about rebuilding. And I suppose if you do it the right way, cool. How many teams rebuild the right way? How many teams have rebuilt? I mean, when you think of, I guess the other part of it is kind of semantics, Ralph. Like what is considered a total rebuild? 
Is it just getting rid of all your top-tier talent and acquiring as many picks as you can? Okay. How many teams have done that and it's worked out well for them? I mean, it's rebuild. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing if it's done right, but you have to. You have to sell a fan base on the fact that you're doing it right, and then you have to do it right. I mean, it, easier said than done. Or try to win as much as possible. Try to not do a full rebuild, but you know what? Uh, fill the holes in the dam whenever they they you know they start to leak a little. Do everything you can to keep that dam from bursting and. You know, instead of just tearing it down and building a whole new one and getting all the water on the other side of it. It's like, I I don't, the idea of a rebuild isn't bad for certain teams, but you don't want to be a team that's perpetually rebuilding because that just means you're a really crappy team. You don't want to have the number one overall pick in the draft two years in a row. Sorry, Jaguars. You don't. I mean, that's, that's, that's not a good, sure. It's fun when you're going into the draft. Ooh, cool. Let's talk about this. It ain't fun on Sundays in the fall at all. Yeah. No, and 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 listen, rebuild. I'm an Astros fan. The Astros did the most rebuilding I've ever seen. Where they just they not only did they tear it down to the studs, they nuked it, they salted the earth, and they lost a hundred games. I want to say three or four years in a row. But even that rebuild, as wonderful as it turned out, there's like about four things that happened that were just absolute positively a hundred percent luck that worked out in their favor. Um, so that's, that's the thing with the rebuild. And the thing is with the saints is Scott, the NFC is terrible. It's wide open. And the team in their division that's supposedly ahead of them, they've beaten them four straight times in the regular season. If the saints were in the AFC, what they have done this offseason in trading, I would be a little bit more on maybe less angry or less combative with the nerds because I'd be like, eh, you know, it's really hard to be a top seven team in, in the AFC. But in the NFC, I look around, Tom Brady doesn't scare us, right? And then you look around, the Rams, okay, they won, but Stafford. Besides that, who you got in Sean Payton's going to be coaching the Cowboys next year. More uh, on that. More on Celsius. that. More on that prediction you know, in a minute from you. Uh, that's Ralph Malbro, the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Let, let's take. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk more Saints. Ralph's point about Sean Payton's future and where he thinks he's going and why he thinks it has impacted the Saints a little bit. The crazy salary that Miami allegedly was offering Sean Payton to get out of New Orleans. Don't go anywhere. I'm Scott Brathers, the great Scott Show. Ralph Malbro from the Saints Happy Hour podcast is on with me. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott Show. Ralph Malbro on with me now. Before we dig back into the Saints, let me remind you guys about Eat Lafayette happening all summer long, happening right now. We're talking new specials, tons of options for you, and just enjoy eating at your favorite locally owned restaurants. You support local businesses. You eat delicious food, and you enter to win a trip to Charlotte all summer long. Plenty of great restaurants to eat at. You can read more about it over at eatlafayette.com or over at ESPN Lafayette. Click on Eat Lafayette on the What's Hot Bar or on the ESPN Lafayette app. Ralph Malbro with us now, Saints historian, even though uh, he didn't remember who uh, Marlowe was. What was it? Jero- Jeremy Marlowe? Jim Marlowe. Jim Marlowe. Jim Marlowe. Marlo. Jim Marlowe. That's right. From back in the 70s. With the Saints. I'm not, I'm not, my, my 1972 to 1976 Saints history, it's sketchy, Scott. Well, the, the Saints history as a whole is not, you know, they, they didn't do, they didn't have enough great people that were around that time before you and I were born uh, covering the team to really do a good job of, I don't know, like saving it, right? Like, well, I mean, the Saints' history is is it's from the '80s on. It's pretty. You can go in the Saints Hall of Fame museum, and it's there. But I don't know, man. I'm sure there are a lot of stories from like the the '70s that just never are, are just forgotten. They're lost. They yeah. will never know about. Oh, it. The, the late Buddy D used to always tell me, you know, because I I was always interested in Saints history. And I was like, why didn't why didn't you write a book? Why didn't? And he was like, well, the Saints were so terrible, couldn't sell books. He's like, the only Saints book that ever made money was his book that he did on the 2000 season. He's like, the rest of them before that struggled to make money because you got to be, you know, you know, now we have books. Jeff Duncan wrote the great book on, on Drew Brees and Sean Payton, their, their passing offense, Mike Neighbors. all these books on the Saints history, you know, but that's because Saints are winning and they, they had a, they had success. People don't people don't want to read books about bad teams. Well, you know, I, I yeah, it's probably not on the field. The off the field stuff, though. Boy, I bet you could write a fun book about that. It's wild. It's wild. Like it, if you want to know about the Saints, uh, Wayne Mack has a book to that history, uh, and it's great. It's not that long of a book, and it goes up from the inception of the Saints to I think nineteen ninety one. And there is just this the Saints in the seventies. They, they're wild, man. They had a they had an astronaut running the team. I mean, like, what more do you need me to tell you about the insanity of the nineteen seventies? That's what I mean <laughs> when I say there's so much there that I just were just that it's lost to history. I learned something crazy that some people listening will have no idea what I'm talking about. You probably will. It's somewhat inappropriate, but I only know about it because someone sent me an article. Do you remember in the early stages of the pandemic when there was an internet prank going around and someone would basically, you know, someone you know would send you uh, an email or a text or something. And this was before COVID really had hit everywhere. And it was like, oh God, there was a case that, you know, you live in Houston. There was a case in College Station and, you know, this student is having these symptoms and you know, read more about it here. And then you'd, you'd click on the link and it, let's just say it was a, a, an individual who 
you know, God bless with a, a, a one particular large gift. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, you, like that was like pranks, friends. Like, I don't know if you remember that anyway. It's like right. all apparently um, a listener sent me an article. And this was during the pandemic that they, they did some research to find out who the guy was. And sadly enough, he had passed away. He played briefly in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints. I'm like, see, that right there is an insane Saints connection that I, you know, it just wasn't a subject matter I really wanted to cover, Ralph, and I never thought I'd be talking about it. But, you know, I mean, there's some stories the, out there that aren't football the stories. Of the, the highlight of the 1970s Saints, though. There you go. <laughs> ESPN Lafayette. Um, Sean Payton. There was a report this week that Miami, and, and I was talking about this last hour with my friend Seth Lewis from TV3. It's crazy to me that the the Brady story, the fact that he allegedly, you know, and, and he didn't deny this either, you know, was going to leave Tampa, wasn't really actually going to really retire and go to Miami and have co-ownership in the team. And, you know, the owner wanted Brian Flores to meet him on a yacht at a time and you know when he wasn't allowed to and Brady was under contract. And they were going to try to get Sean Payton there and pay him $100 million, all this stuff. It's kind of like... It's it's not covered much. You read the story, but they make sure that like all the NFL's network part, TV partners, they make sure they don't like debate about it or bring it up on all the talking head shows. They're like, no, let's just let's just talk about LeBron, who hasn't you know even played in the postseason right. this year. Like they're they just kind of move past it because it's a bad look for the league. Is probably one reason why. But when that story came out that Peyton was, you know, the Dolphins were willing to pay him a hundred million, I was like, good God, for four years? Like what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was making a lot of money with the Saints. Don't get me wrong, but he could go over there and, and basically almost double it. Like, that yeah. – uh, you, you, you brought it up on the podcast, Ralph, but you really feel like Sean Payton will be coaching somewhere else sooner rather than later. Here's why, and I, I really believe this, is if he was really considering retiring long-term, he would have gotten a full-time TV job because if he was really going to walk away from coaching and do the next thing in his life, he would have said, Hey, maybe I want to be uh, a color commentator. I need to start doing games or I want to be a studio. Analyst. I need to do it full-time. I'll go to ESPN or wherever. He's the fill-in guy for when Jimmy Johnson doesn't want to get off his boat in Florida and go to LA. So he's going to be on the Sunday Fox show with Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long. And I think he'll be really good. But he's only going to do it probably five or six times a year. That tells me he just wanted to be the substitute teacher. And he's going to take a year off. He's going to recharge his batteries. And listen, Scott, if the Dolphins were willing to pay him $100 million, you get to next year. When you get to January, you have ideally for the Saints you want a couple of teams fighting over Sean Payton, but I could see a scenario where you have the Cowboys go nine and eight because Mike McCarthy's not equipped to handle the, the Sean Payton hurricane. He's not equipped to handle a lot of things. And, and, yeah. and first take is going to drop on him because here's the thing that not to be like inside baseball for people because they didn't really care about the media, but you know this is like the Cowboys drive the bus on ESPN. It it drives ratings, it drives revenue. Cowboys lose to Tampa Bay on Sunday to open the season. The next day on first take, Stephen A. Smith, he's going to be talking about should the, could, should the Cowboys hire Sean Payton? Probably in season should they hire him. Like, that's just going to engulf the Cowboys. So you have the Cowboys, 
You have the Chargers with Justin Herbert. If they swap, they could be in the mix. I think all the NFC East teams could go and get him. I think even the Jets. Like, if, if they're terrible, Robert Sala, he's no great shakes, right, as a coach. And if Sean Payton looked at Zach Wilson and was like, I could fix him, I'm going to tell you this. I think Sean Payton's going to get $25 million a year. I'd, I think some team's going to give him five years, $125 no. million, and they're not even going to $25 million a year, Ralph? Like, yes. I don't. I, 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 look, that would be a good thing because that means that they would really, really want him. I, 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 w- I don't think huh? he's going to get that, and if he does, I will gladly tip my cap with it. But I, I do think he will be – a hot name that'll be out there. And, you know, if he doesn't just completely fall in love with the six or seven times he goes to LA to work in the studio and says, man, this is better <laughs> than anything else. Uh, and if he, it really just depends on how much he misses it. But if he does, there'll be at least one team that wants him. But to your point, the hope, right? The hope is that there are several teams that want him and you want it to be next year because the more time that goes by, the less of a, a hot commodity you, you become. Um, ultimately, what do you think this nets the Saints, and, and where do you think Sean Payton's future lies after think, the 2022 season? I think he's going to be a coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I think I'll even be real specific with you, Scott. I think the Saints are going to get the 18th pick in the 2023 draft because the Cowboys are going to be like 8-9 nine or 9-8, nine and eight. and I think the Saints will get that like the their third-round pick in like 2024, and that'll be that. And it's not going to be the ridiculous John Gruden to Tampa package that the Raiders got, where it's two firsts and two seconds. But if the Saints get a first and a third for Sean Payton, that's an incredible haul for a coach. And it would mean that they just, Nicky Loomis would play it exactly right and, and, and gambled that he was going to get it, like I said before, that they were going to get a first-round pick. And it gives the Saints options got in a sense of that if they do really well in 2022 they'll have more picks they can continue to be their aggressive self and trade up right and and maybe add another final piece right to make a further push or if this year goes bad and it kind of goes sideways maybe they can change course and be like hey instead of going for it going for it we have to retool we have to reload maybe they do the unthinkable and trade down and it's, it's like a mulligan so I just think that there's going to be teams because teams understand now, I think, and as I bang on the nerds, I will give them credit for this. I think teams have sort of figured it out that your coach is worth an incredible amount. Like if you have the right coach, you're so far ahead. And there's going to be a team that they're not going to even blink about giving up picks for what I think the thing that will stop, will stop it from being ridiculous is Sean Payton's not going to want to go somewhere. And, you know, he's not going to want to go to the Chargers, let's say, and have them give up two firsts and two seconds to the Saints. And then he has a hard time building a team. Right. So I think that will put a little bit of a, a little bit of a slant on it to make it a little bit less, but the Saints are going to get, I think they're going to get two nice picks for Sean Payton. And, uh, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be stunned if, he doesn't come back. I just think I just think it points to him coming back because I think there's gonna, there's going to be an opening, Scott. That's really really good that he likes. And the thing is for Sean Payton is if you have an opening that you really like, let's say it's Dallas with Dak Prescott or it's the Chargers with Herbert, 
you don't know if that you're going to get another good opening with a good young quarterback in a situation you really like. You don't know if that's going to shake out the next year in 2024, right? So I think the, the opportunity will come along that he likes, and he'll get a he'll get a truckload of money, and the Saints will get picks, and everybody will be happy. I would prefer it in the AFC, uh, but I think it's going to be Dallas. Because Jerry Jerry Jones has been wanting this. He, he, and what Jerry wants, he gets. Like, I think we need to emotionally prepare ourselves that Sean Payton will be coaching the Cowboys. Yeah, get him, get him some draft picks, and go <laughs> ahead. You know, good luck to you. ESPN Life. He had best ticket in sports. Um, last thing with you, Ralph. The um, the Saints mini camp started yesterday. Mandatory mini camp. Everyone's there. Not everyone's participating. Right? Some players are injured. I want your. Uh, most positive and most negative takeaways from the Saints. Granted, it's one day at camp, so it doesn't necessarily just have to be yesterday, but just to at this point in the offseason, in the middle of June, what are you most positive about and what are you most concerned about with the Saints? And then we'll let you run. I got to say, like, I'm not one of these people that get real excited about minicamp because it's just dudes in shorts and they're practicing. It's like, whatever, just get it on. But I have to say, seeing Jarvis Landry and Teron Matthew, like, I knew that the Saints had signed them both, and I knew it was going to be amazing, and I was excited for it. But to, like, see it on the – even though it's practice field and even though they're in shorts, like, to see it, Scott, it made me excited in a way about the Saints that I haven't been since probably, like, going into the 2018 season where we, like, knew – that like they had had the 2017 draft, right? And we were like, this team is young, they are loaded, and they are going to be amazing this year, and they're going to cause havoc. Like just seeing Jarvis Landry and Teron Matthew in the uniform gave me that excited feeling. So that was that's the fun part of it. The the thing that 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 worries me most about the Saints, Scott, is I worry about their offensive line. I I worry about the interior because you, you're going to have. You know, a new guy, tackle penning, you're hoping for. Andres Pete, he's injured always, and you got Caesar Ruiz. That's that's a question mark, and you can't, you don't, we're not going to know anything about that in minicamp. But that's that right now is my biggest concern with the Saints is that if the offensive line goes sideways, they could be in a lot of trouble. They can withhandle, they can handle one either major injury or if Trevor Penning, like if, you know, if Trevor Penning is okay and then say Ruiz is terrible, they could kick Hurst inside and say, Hey, we're done with Ruiz. But if they're having, if they have a problem at guard and at tackle, they won't, I don't think they have the numbers and the, and the depth to sort of solve it and fix it. Um, so that's my, that's my biggest, that's my biggest concern outside of Jameis, which, uh, I'm on the Jameis train. I like Jameis. I think he's going to be good. But these people that think he's going to turn into a top-five quarterback, I, I worry about their, ment- their mental state during the year because I think they're going to be really disappointed. Like I think the Saints are going to be really good, Scott. I think they're going to win 10, 11 games. But I think they're going to do it, and Jameis is still going to be mostly Jameis. Like, he's going to be like the 15th best quarterback. He's going to make some great throws. He's going to make some terrible throws. He's going to frustrate us to no end. Um, but he's not going to like. He's not going to 
turn into this top five MVP type quarterback. I don't think it would be fun if he did, but I don't see it. But besides that, I I worry about the offensive line. I think I think it's 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 a concern. To think that Jameis would be an MVP candidate would be. You, you don't realize it if you're thinking it, but you're looking completely through black and gold glasses, like you are. Well, I mean, the it, thing, it's just he's not he's not that guy. I I'm rooting for Jameis too, like you, and yet it's it's just weird. It's like there's no middle ground with Jameis. Suddenly, it's either oh he's he's a joke or no watch he's gonna he's gonna do everything this year. How dare you doubt him? It's like. He's for a guy that was the number one overall pick to this point, objectively, his career has been a very big disappointment by the the lofty standards that come with being a number one overall pick. I'm not saying he's been bad because he's had good good moments, but like let's you know he's coming off of a major injury. He he did cut back in his interceptions last season when we saw him, but he also you know, uh, he did, there were some times where he just didn't let it fly when he probably should have. Now he's going to have much better receivers to throw to this year. I just, to me, th- this is the this is what I thought about Jameis. Um, I think the biggest key for him, Ralph, is, and I was talking to this with your your partner Andrew Juge recently. It's that short intermediate route between the numbers. He has not consistently thrown that at a high rate in his career. He is had a better completion percentage throwing outside the numbers down the field. I'm not saying he can't throw between the numbers. I'm just saying he hasn't done it. He maybe, maybe he's not great at it. I have no idea. But when you have the likes of a Jarvis Landry, who would have been the perfect slot receiver for Drew Brees back when Brees was still doing it. But when you have Jarvis Landry and you have Michael Thomas, um, you know, we're assuming he's coming back, even though he's missed a ton of time lately, you, you better hit that route. I know that everyone can say, well, just cut back on turnovers. That's the number one key. That's like that's that's that goes without being said. It's almost like when someone before a pregame show asks a former player, What's the keys to the game? Well, just protect the football and you know, play good D. Oh, well, thanks, Einstein. Like, you know, like we know he's got to cut back on turnovers. I feel like if he can consistently hit or be above average in the short to intermediate routes between the numbers, then I think the rest of the offense can open up for him and he can have a really good year. I don't think not not an MVP candidate type. You don't get me wrong, but a really good year, certainly by his standards. If he struggles in that regard, Ralph, I think I think it could be a tough season for Jameis. Honestly, I think that's the biggest key for me. Number one for him, that yeah. short to intermediate intermediate route. Do that. Now the deep ball opens up. Now the offense opens up. Now a lot of other stuff opens up for you because you are excelling in an area of the field where two of your best players are just excellent. Yeah, and, and listen, it's it's hard to judge Jameis. Even last year, he did a great job of not turning the ball over. But the Saints receivers were, at points last year, just comically bad, right? But the thing that, that, that's so frustrating to me with talk of Jameis, and I think it even happened when when you were kind enough when we had some, some illnesses and, and some conflicts. I, I, I asked you like 10 minutes before we did a Twitter space. I was like, Scott, help me out and hop on, and you did. And remember, we were talking about Ryan Tannehill, and I was like, if Jameis can be give us what Ryan Tannehill is in Tennessee, we're having a parade in February. And people in the spaces were jumping on us. They're like, he's better than Tannehill. And I'm like, dude, my man, Tannehill has been exceptional in Tennessee. If, if he could be that, 
And I just think there's this expectation of James that, that sort of through the roof. But to your point, Athena Jameis needs to, he just needs to be better at moving the sticks and being more efficient. And the thing is with Saints, their passing offense, we don't think of it this way because of Sean Payton, we think of he's offense genius. They had all the injuries last year. They were fighting through everything. But their passing offense, Scott, it was blast. Like, that's what I tell people on Twitter where they're like, the Saints are going to be a disaster. I'm like, their offense kind of was a disaster last year. Like, there's nowhere to go but up. From th- you can't get any worse than 30 seconds. I mean, unless you unless you get a shovel and you start digging to China, right? So their offense is going to be they're going to be better because I, you know, th- there were moments last year, like even in the Tampa game last year, that was so much fun. They won nine to nothing, right? It was it was incredibly fun. But during that game, you would watch it and you'd be like, okay, just just do three and out, just punt. I want to watch this defense. Destroy Tom Brady. The offense is killing. The, the off, watching this offense is painful. Get it off the field. I don't want it on my TV. Um, so there were points last year where it was, and, and that's, and I'm not talking about the, the injuries and the COVID games and all that. The the offense, it was just kind of a hot mess at points last year. And now you get Michael Thomas back, Olave, Jarvis Landry. You, you have the pieces to make it functional and to you know. It's gonna feel like luxury, Scott, when we go when the Saints go from like the third, if they go from like the thirty second rated passing game to like sixteen, it's gonna feel like Huge. going from a yeah. tent to like a five star hotel. I know, I know. Uh, Ralph Malbro has been our guest. Uh, just you don't have to be great, just don't be terrible, right? That's kind of when you got special teams and defense, offense. Just don't be terrible. Be somewhere in the middle, and then you can win some games this season. Ralph Mabro has been our guest. Ralph, before I let you run, tell the people where they can find all your content. Just search Saints Happy Hour wherever you get your podcast. Search Saints Happy Hour on Facebook or Twitter if you do social media. Find us. We're having a great time. We are even trying to plan a live event in New Orleans for the uh, beginning of Saints season. We're having a bl- we're having a blast. Just just try us out. If you love the Saints, you'll love us. That's all we ask. Give us search Saints Happy Hour and listen to one episode. That's all I ask. That's it. I think you said it best. If you love the Saints, you'll love the pod. Saints Happy Hour podcast. Follow Ralph on Twitter at Saints Forecast. Ralph, always appreciate it, man. Always love talking Saints with you. And uh, let's do it again soon, man. All the best. Anytime. Camp's right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Dan Patrick shows next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.